0: Welcome to Enlightenedhood, a sacred space for mothers, mothers to be, and mothers by proxy to share how mindfulness and spirituality intertwine with one of life's biggest responsibilities, motherhood. Each week we will gather nuggets of inspiration, empowerment, and wisdom from wild and woke mamas who are tapped into their highest selves and raising the next generation along with the consciousness of this planet. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, founder of Enlightenhood, a community of mindful and spiritual mamas committed to personal growth and divine sisterhood through our one-of-a-kind inner work membership and spiritual magazine. Welcome. I am so grateful that you're here. Hello, you mindful mamas. I know we talk about this a lot, but I think there's a common misconception that when you commit to a life of mindfulness and you're on a spiritual path, that once you're on the other side of that commitment, it's unicorns and rainbows. And that's obviously not the case because now we're completely self-aware of all the lessons that the universe is throwing us. And on top of that, something that we're talking about on today's episode is being an empath. And when you're an empath, it makes it that much harder because not only are you completely self-aware of all these obstacles and working through them and how to rise above them, but then you're also feeling everything so deeply. So it's very, very important to create boundaries and know how to detach yourself from events and emotions and other people's emotions and my very special guest today is Amy Lee Westervelt and she is an intuitive life and business coach that helps empaths and highly sensitive people see their incredible gifts and abilities to live a life they love and we are talking about healing the inner child and developing intuition when you go through trauma as a child and how you can tap into that self-worth in order to manifest the things that you want and what modern day living for an empath looks like. How do you create those healthy boundaries to protect yourself from people who are trying to steal your joy or steal your energy and why mindfulness is so very key for your life as an empath. So without further ado, here's Amy Lee. Is there any moment in your life where it it was a turning point because I know for many women on this podcast, motherhood is kind of that spiritual awakening. But a lot of times we kind of have that inkling
1: of it beforehand, but then motherhood is just like, bam. I feel like yes and no, because so I, so this is going to sound self-serving. I don't mean it too, but I started working with a life coach when I still lived in Alaska, when Will was stationed out there. And in working with her, she suggested I read this book called, adult children of emotionally immature parents. Hmm. And she told me it was super skinny. And so I started reading this book and it was literally like a manual for my childhood. Like in that moment, I was like, wait, you're telling me that all these things I went through that I thought were my personal experiences are like a type of parent. And it was at that moment that she was like, by the way, you're an empath. And then I was like, what do you like? And so I think my turning point was finding out that all the things I felt growing up were not idiosyncrasies or problems that I had with myself. They were a very consistent type of way that I was due to traumatic experiences I had been through that that I had created survival techniques for. Mm-hmm. So that was my big like jumping off point was figuring out, "Oh my gosh, this is not just me. Um this is you know, th- this is big. Like this is, this is a thing that happens. And then I started learning about narcissistic abuse. And then I ended up going no contact with my father. And the part of motherhood though, is that, and you would never believe this and, or maybe you do. And you're like, yeah, duh. But, um, being a mother, cause I have five children, right. And they're all, um, under eight being a mother and being a good mother somehow, and I don't understand the scientific background of it, helps you heal your childhood. I don't know how, but somehow when I do good things for my daughter, when I show her love, when I get down at her level and let her know that her opinion matters and that her energy is important to me, somehow little Amy Lee back in the past heals from that. Mm -hmm. It's it's bizarre, but it's so real.
0: Yeah, my initial response or what I, what I think I would say is happening there is that you're owning your power to rewrite your own story. And thus you're owning that your story, like you have the power to change it. And that ownership is what gives us power to heal. That's just what came to me at first. And see, it seems right. That's, that's what I'm going with. There's definitely
1: that, but there's also a component where deep down, you, so you have your, your eternal self, the self that you'll be every minute of your life. And then you have the different snippets, like the cat scan slices of you across Mm -hmm. your whole timeline. And so those pieces of you are still in there. So I think that, you know, when you talk about healing the inner child, I think that there is a part of you that then gets nurtured after the fact. Mm. that heals that part of you in real time. So it's healing that part of you then, but that part of you is here now. Right. Yeah.
0: That's fascinating. What was there a certain point or specific moment that
1: you remember where you realized that that was happening? Yeah. Um, yeah i I can look at myself in the mirror now i can I can look at myself in this reflection and I look at her and i don 't think oh, you have agendas, you have hidden uh, ulterior motives you 're just doing this because it's self serving you're you know i look at at that girl and she looks back at me, and we are best friends we are pals you know I love to hang out with her I think she 's an awesome person. And I didn't always feel like that in any, in even saying that was, sounded self-serving and conceited. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm a pretty freaking awesome person. I work real hard to help people even when it doesn't do anything for me. And I get so much joy out of it. And I do it every single day of my life and I will do it every single day for the rest of my life. And I couldn't do that. I couldn't even, I, I had to avoid my own eyes, you know? Mm. Um, So I would say that's probably when it happened. And just taking, like you said, taking back the power. I don't talk to my father. You know, he doesn't get to abuse me anymore. I mean, he only ever, you know, emotionally abused me, but he doesn't get to do that. I am not his, his punching bag. And it's really empowering to know that I've protected my children from that energy. And that I protected my inner child from that energy. And that she, she doesn't get hurt anymore. I don't let her, I don't let little Amy Lee get hurt anymore. Mm that's so beautiful
0: and it takes i'm sure all a very long time to get to that point and a lot of growing and healing and non I don't
1: know what the right word for that
0: is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I think that it has to do with wanting change. And so while you say yes, it definitely takes a long time. I think just a lot of people have been so conditioned that this is the way it's it is and Mm -hmm. the way. I mean, I remember, Lena, like I remember being a little girl and wondering if I was really thinking the thoughts I had Mm. or if I was just having them because. I decided I was going to have them like that is how far down the rabbit hole of victimhood I was like I was completely and utterly conditioned to believe that even my own intuition was wrong and you know what's so ironic about that is that I was talking to a shaman one time and she's like do you know you have a laser third eye but it's cloudy like you have one you you have intuition like most people would dream of but you don't listen to it so it's not doing you any good Mm. and I was like what
0: (laughs) do you do you have you read any of the little book of series
1: um only the golden books when I was little
0: (laughs) they're um they're over on my shelf but they have like a little bit of uh, is it a little yeah a little bit of astrology a little bit of crystals but the one I'm reading right now is a little bit of intuition and the author talks about how the most intuitive people are the ones who go through trauma very young in their life. And because you have this fight or flight urge to survive, you're developing these skills like this. And then once you're able to be in a much safer space and you have this sense of security now, that's when
1: your gifts start to flourish. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You get to a point where you will, you, you just, you've grown up like waiting for someone to hit you or waiting for someone to look at you funny or knowing when to get out of somebody's way. Your senses are super heightened and you have been trained to look at body language, to listen to breath, to, I mean, it's not really so woo woo as much as it's out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does tend to cause you to go within and because you go within, you do connect, connect with that intuition. So I think that they kind of are like byproducts of each other, but I don't necessarily think that they mean the same. Like right, they, right, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So once you started kind of going inward, you've discovered all that you, you're discovering these tools and these gifts you have. What did that transformation start to look like for you?
1: Oh, <sighs> um. So this was after I made all the money. This was after I was living in the million dollar house. This was after I found my soulmate already. Um, I started to, I don't know, I guess I woke up one day and I realized I wasn't the black sheep that my father had said I was, that I knew how to protect my energy. I knew how to get myself out of that fight or flight if I needed to. Um, I just, I seemed to have less anxiety. I still have it. I mean, I have general anxiety, period. I just do. Um, It was just just a level of self-actualization, I guess. And knowing that I, not only do I have a right to exist, but like I have a right to have the life of my dreams, you know, and the manifesting and everything just kind of fell into place because now, see, I believe that... (laughs) When it comes to manifesting, there's only two reasons why it doesn't happen. Either one, you don't believe that whatever you're doing to get there is going to get you there, or you don't believe you deserve it. And there's nothing else. Those are the two things. And so once I started to believe I deserved it, I mean, money rains down, clients rains down, you know, my husband stays home, my kids are here, you know, I homeschool, I have a beautiful home, I have dogs, I have cats, I eat delicious food. You know, I have the romance that I, most women would dream about. I mean, I
0: don't know. Life's pretty awesome. I feel like in manifesting, knowing your worth and feeling like you're worth it is so much easier said than done. So what advice would you give to anyone who is really trying to tap into that sense of self-worth? I have
1: an exercise for that. You want to do it? Sure. Okay. So you're walking along. And you see, um, a puppy by the side of the road, puppies, missing fur. It's got mange. You look, you see it got hit by a car. Okay. It's bleeding out. It's in real bad shape, but you know, you got to go meet somebody. What do you do about the puppy? Do you walk by? What do you do? I would absolutely save the puppy. Screw anyone else or anything else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Even if your kid had to eat, like whatever, like this trumps everything else, yeah? hmm Okay, so you go to pick up the puppy and I want you to tell me, I'm gonna change one variable about this puppy and I want you to tell me the first feeling and thought that comes to your mind, okay? You get closer to the puppy and as you reach down to grab it, you realize it's not a puppy, it's you. Mm. Oh, that just hit my heart so hard. Wow. So my question to anybody would be why is it that a puppy by the side of the road that you don't know, you don't, you know, now all of a sudden and I know exactly what went through your head. Well, I probably deserved it. Well, I probably walked in front of the car. Well, why would I help myself? Well, I'm sure that it's something. It's probably because of that thing I did when I was 17. Mhm. It's all going through your head. You you we according to Don Miguel Ruiz of the Four Agreements We are, humans are the only animal that punishes themselves more than once for the same transgression. Mm -hmm. It's like, nobody's as bad as me. Nobody could possibly be as bad as me. So my first suggestion to somebody would be, does everything that's alive deserve to live? And the answer, of course, is yes. And then I would say, okay, well, you were born, right? You were this beautiful white light. And then as you went through your life on your timeline... Things happen. People told you things, people said things, people labeled you, and you got all these coats on, and you're just like watered down with all these people's thoughts about you. But at what point did you stop deserving to exist? And then when we start to think about, you know, if you think, well, I don't deserve it because I'm not a good person, okay. What makes a good person? So My suggestion would be for a person who starts with that self-loathing feeling. If you got that feeling you just had, start looking at it analytically. I'm not a good person. Okay, you're not a good person. What does a good person do? They take good care of their kids. They pick them up at school. What else? What else does a good person do? And then once you've got your list, now go back and look at yourself compared to your list. And you're going to go, well, yeah. Okay, I I guess I'm a good person. yeah, you are. And guess what? Even if you were a serial killer, you still deserve to live. I mean, depending on how you feel about capital punishment, but you know, if you were whatever, a bank robber and you're not, you're not a bank robber. You're not, you're an incredible person who's wounded. And for some reason you've decided that you are the lowest of the low. And my question to you is, what did you do? What did you do that was so bad? Yeah. So is that a good answer? Yeah. I'd say
0: so. (laughs) I'm just sad thinking about puppies. (laughs) I knew that if there was going to be such a a strong visual about a puppy that it was going to go somewhere good, at least (laughs) there'd be a happy ending. (laughs) And then you ate the puppy. (laughs) Uh, But it's so true. And it's, Scary to think, especially in raising children, that the littlest thing can have such an effect on our self worth. As much as we try to do these exercises, it almost sticks to us like magnet, and it's scary mm-hmm. as we go back and do the inner work and realize and release those wounds. Now raising kids, that we can't control those moments that they're gonna have, but we can try not to be the ones that gave them to them. Yes, <laughs> like- that. <laughs> That's true. Do you do anything with your kids to kind of, to help them protect their energy and their sense of self? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Louise Hay
1: has lots of cool kids books. Um, this one in particular, I love. Oh, I think I am. And it is teaching kids the power of affirmations. So my kids, you know, they get up in the morning and they say positive things about themselves. They love to play with my affirmation cards. Um, they have the, you've, I think you've seen them on my timeline, the slumberkins. Mm-hmm. They're those like little guys that have the little quotes. Um, and yeah, I mean, if I, if I ever am like short with my kids or, you know, I, I just seem like, and again, being an empath, I can feel their energy. So like, I'll get down their level and be like, Hey. I'm having a really stressful day and I know that's not your fault and I know that it has nothing to do with you. So like, I will say to them what I needed said to me. Mm-hmm. That's hard.
0: Being an empath, especially, and adults don't agree as easy. And do you, how do you work with people who you know you can feel their energy and they're feeling a certain way, but they haven't recognized that yet?
1: I think that I, I focus on the messaging you know, I talk to them and I say, this is what I think you're feeling. And it isn't until after they say, yes, yes. How did you know that? I kind of smile and say, you're a wizard, Harry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cause I think with empaths and people who are so sensitive to others, it's so much easier with kids, but with adults who have all these walls up it's so much harder to have those honest conversations when you kind of know the core of the truth, but they haven't gotten there yet. And I think for me on this journey, that's the thing I've struggled with most because there's a lot of people who aren't ready to hear it or go inward to that level.
1: That's why you keep it pretty, you keep it pretty general. Like in my group, my Facebook group, you know, um, I finally yesterday just decided to bite the bullet and call it empaths. And people left, you know, people were like, Oh no, that doesn't identify me. But I had done a poll yesterday and I asked everybody, you know, do you consider yourself an empath? And all but one person said, yes. One person said, I said, my poll question was not at all. And she was like, no, I wouldn't say not at all. I'd say no. So it was like, hmm. So I messaged her and I was like, Hey, you know, how's it going? Chatting with her. And she's like, yeah, a lot of my friends are empaths and I'm very intuitive. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm intuitive too. She's like, but I, you know, I'm more, I'm more cerebral. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty cerebral too, but I feel other people's energy. And she's like, Oh yeah, I do too. So you're an empath. (laughs) So we're we're bad in a thousand right now. Everybody who took the quiz, you know, identifies that way. But there are people that are okay with living the way they're living, and at this juncture in their life, survival is more important than self-actualization. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain point where you kind of look around and go, "Okay, I have a roof over my head, I have clothes, I have food. Now, what am I looking for?" And self-actualization is kind of higher up. So. I don't necessarily think those people won't find out their empaths. They just might not be there yet.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, and I think what has helped me is just knowing that what we can do is just show up and continue to lead and what that looks like in the real world. And then when they're ready, they mm-hmm. come. Exactly. When you started presenting yourself like that and putting your voice out there, did you find that people in your everyday life were resistant to that?
1: Um, I think there are some people that feel like empath is the new gluten, Mm -hmm. you know, and that (laughs) they feel like, you know, um, if you were an empath, you wouldn't say you were. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, I don't say, hi, I'm Amy Lee, the empath. You're right. But I also, it's an important, you know, distinguisher to distinguish me from the rest of the world. Um, And so I don't necessarily wear it on my sleeve. Um, But yeah, I mean, if someone was to ask me, I probably would say it. I think... I think I got more stigma out of being in a network marketing company than I did being an empath. Really? Yeah. That's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's a lot more fear and opposition to that. than the, like Empaths don't present a threat to anyone, so there's really no reason to be against them. We just feel stuff very strongly over
0: here in the corner. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could see that. It's, it's interesting though, now how, when I discovered I was an empath, there was hardly nothing. And this was seven years ago, I'd say, and there was Mm -hmm. nothing, nothing out there that it was only labeled. The most you could find was stuff on highly sensitive people. And that's as far as it went. But now empath is everywhere. Mm -hmm. What has that, when did you discover, how long has it been since you've kind of had a name for it?
1: Um, so when I started working with my life coach, um, she told me that I was an empath and I didn't really understand what that was. And so, um, she had me read that book, the emotionally, um, uh, adult children of emotionally immature parents. Uh-huh. And she, you know, kind of told me that that I was an empath and I started to read and in this book, it was like, they were telling my story right down to like how it had been with my parents and how it was with my father and all these things. And so, um, the more I read that, the more it was kind of like, it might as well have been me. And and you know what that's like when you like, when you read certain things about postpartum, you know, stress or whatever, um, you kind of look at it and go, yes, yes, yes. And you're like nodding your head. Not that anybody can see you, Um, and that's kind of how it was for me. And it, it clicked a lot of things. Like growing up, people were always like, you're such a light. I don't know what it is about you. Cause I would just give and give and give and give and give and, and solve people's problems and feel for them and be like, are you okay? And they'd be like, how did you know? And, you know, these were things that just happened to me or like, I would be in a social situation and I would all of a sudden get the feeling that everybody didn't want me there. And it was because I could feel that that person had a stomach ache, that person, you know, just had a fight with their spouse, that person was in a bad mood and it had nothing to do with me, but because I could feel it, I internalized it. Mm -hmm. And so once I had that, you know, like, um, this is the book that my life coach wrote, um, the happy empath. I think I have that. You probably do. I feel like I do. I have so many on empaths. <laughs> yeah, this one, she wrote this one and it's amazing. It has a rainbow quiz in it where you like decide what kind of empath you are. Um, and she's kind of, yeah, she's like my guru. But now like it just kind of, it's like, it's the same way like, oh, you know, people with hazel eyes, like you're like, yep, that's me. And so the same thing goes for empath. And what's really neat is being a coach of empaths the kind of person I coach is empaths, but I do life and business. So I know how they approach life and business. I know Mm. that what the kind of things that they run into in their business and and in their relationships and their marriages and their parenting, because I've been there. Um, And so I'm kind of able to head them off and say, okay, I bet you're feeling this, this, and this. And they're like, how did you know? How did you know that? How are you in my head? I'm like, "Mm, it's all of our heads. For someone who's just
0: figuring out that they're an empath and putting a word to it. And how can we start to not internalize those types of radars of other people's energy and start to create these healthy boundaries and protect our own energy?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So going back to that whole idea of concrete empirical evidence, What you need to do is empaths tend to be very emotional. And so we tend to be very relational. And so what happens is why we're such awesome candidates for narcissistic abuse is because somebody looks at us and they condition us to weigh their opinions and their thoughts based on how close they are to us and not on the validity of the argument. You with me? Mm Mm-hmm. So, if somebody is a narcissist and they tell an empath, you know, um, you look fat, right? Then the empath is going to say, oh, well, you know, that's my dad. So, if my dad says it, then it's probably true. What the correct way to do that, for lack of a better word, I don't know why my nose is so itchy. What the correct way to do it, though, is to say, okay, someone, some amalgamous human beings said I was fat. Let me look at myself. How much do I weigh? Okay, I weigh whatever. Um, do I look at myself and think I'm fat? No. Do I have trouble with things that, you know, whatever a person who's fat would have trouble with? No, I don't have those. So I don't have to evaluate the relationship because the information's wrong already. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah so we have to look at things because we're so emotional we have to look at things in a very empirical way mm-hmm. because if we don't we get sucked into the emotion and then and then the argument becomes more about who can feel who can make who feel worse and how can i make you wrong versus the information and that's where gaslighting comes from you know telling people that they said things before if you tell someone well, you told me the sky was green and now you're telling me it's blue. No, I didn't. No, you did. You definitely did. You know, if you look and you say, okay, I know the sky is blue. I didn't tell you it was green. Then you're not getting set up for that, like entanglement of that. Well, I wouldn't tell you that you'd said that. I love you. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're not allowing that to happen. And so when you find out that you're an empath and you're highly sensitive. You just have to look at things in a very concrete way. And that, like you were talking about, mindfulness becomes so key because you have to take yourself out of the emotion, out of the movie that's playing in your head. And you need to look at your own four walls or you need to put your hands together and feel this hand touching that hand and that hand touching this hand. And you need to be in the moment because otherwise you're on a ride somewhere in someone's you know, web (laughs) Mm -hmm. or, you know, you're, you're going down a spiral of thoughts of things that haven't even happened yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know that so
0: well. (laughs) I know that journey so well. And it's so true that being in the present
1: moment kind of creates, it cuts that cord of entanglement. Exactly. Yeah. It, it stops that rumination process and that spiraling and that backsliding into the you know, emotive soup, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. So as a speaking of mindfulness, what are your daily practices and rituals look like in order to keep you grounded in the present moment?
1: Yeah. So, um, I have the daily calm app or calm app on my phone and I do that one every day. Um, I have a gratitude journal, which I adore that I use. Um, in terms of mindfulness, there are sections in my gratitude journal. You know, it, it's a guided one, and so it asks questions about like what was, you know, what was the the hallmark of today, or what was the best part of today, what was a silver lining. So those things are all great. Um, I try to practice yoga as much as I can during the day. I leave my mat out and I try to do as many vinyasas as I can, and so I deep breathe during that time. And then also, I make sure that I take breaks. During the day, because I work from home and I homeschool, I take breaks during the day to spend quality time with my family. Uh, I try to hit at least every kid for 20 minutes, hit meaning get to, not hit them. goodness, gracious. <laughs> <laughs> I try to check off each kid. <laughs> I don't know if that one's any better. <laughs> oh man, I've never what's funny is though. I'm so anti hitting. Like I've never, I've never hit my kids. So it's just funny that I said like me of all people, cause there are people that believe in that and I'm not one of them and it's yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah. And, and you know, sometimes if I'm just like in the soup, I have this really cool meditation that I do where I do, it's called floating. And I think of all the things that I'm stressed about and everything that's bothering me and all the yuckiness that's going on. And I just imagine it like in a fishbowl. And I just imagine myself leaning back and laying on top of it. And I don't have to be like, I can pull myself out of emotions because I've practiced it so many times. Mm -hmm. I can just like sit here and feel my own hands and be like, I'm a human being in this human moment. And then I don't let all that stuff get to me. I have to like dive under the the muck to go into the soup. And I just don't.
0: Yeah. That takes a lot of practice. I've been working on that too. Cause again, it's so hard not to get tangled in that web and to really have those boundaries and that awareness to take yourself out of it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I love asking this question to women who are helping other women, and especially with empaths, because it's all about energy. How does empowering others,
1: how has it empowered you? Oh, oh, this is such a good question. Okay, so you know about the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. The hero's journey is the idea that, you know, you go through all these obstacles and da-da-da. And yay, I made it to the end. But a big part of the hero's journey is that once you get the elixir, like you've you've summited your mountain. You know, I've made the million dollars. I've had the incredible lifestyle. That gets old real fast. I mean, take it from someone who's had like a lot of money, it does not make you happy it doesn't make you miserable. Um, I mean it can, but for the most part, like it kind of has a point where you're like, yeah, what else can I fit in my house? What else can I buy? What other trip can I go on? Like, is there more life? In fact, I believe that a lot of celebrities and stuff, like the reason that they turn to drugs is because there's just nothing to strive for anymore. You can literally have anything you want. I mean, look at everybody's like, Kanye went crazy. I'm like, well, what did you expect the guy to do every day? Like, What was he supposed to get joy out of? And so of course he, you know, he decided to turn back to God. And so um, you, know, you take that elixir and you bring it back and you heal everybody else. So for me, that feeling of watching somebody go, oh my gosh, I'm not broken. I don't need anything. I need to get rid of a bunch of stuff it's like crack for your soul. <laughs> so it's just, that's why I have my community. That's why I do these podcasts and stuff because it's like, and people are like, you give away so much free value. Like, how can you talk about all that stuff? And they haven't even worked with you. I'm like, cause I get off on a girlfriend. I love <laughs> the way it feels when someone goes, oh, oh my gosh, I just had a breakthrough moment and I don't even need credit for it. Like my clients will be like, thanks to you. Thanks to you. And I'm like, nope, Now nope. The universe just heard your call. You needed help. Called me on the universe phone and said, Amy Lee, you're up. And I was like, yeah, no problem universe. Do it, just doing my job. And I don't need to take credit for that, but knowing that you're part of it, just, it just, again, it, it heals a part of you, I think. And you, you know that because you do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't do this to make a million dollars.
0: No, do it to help the good of others and heal the planet and ourselves and, and meet cool people. Yeah. And people who are like-minded, because I'm sure, as you know, there's, as an empath, you have to be very particular about the people that you spend your time with and
1: put your energy
0: into. And I think I severely lacked that in my everyday life. So I created what I lacked and you were there for the beginning of it and saw it as a little itty bitty baby. <laughs> now the like baby a t- was a little itty bitty baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was uh, three weeks, four weeks old when I started this. Mm-hmm. So it's grown with her. I don't think you, her. think you had
1: started it when we met. I think you were starting it.
0: Yeah. I was in the process of just connecting with people and seeing where it would fit in the whole grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. yeah look at you now (sighs) now my my business baby's a toddler (laughs) and my little baby's turning into a toddler a teething foot stomping Aries fire toddler (laughs) Uh, but I just remember thinking, starting off for so long, I put off wanting to put my energy into this space because I was inspired. Of course, I mean everyone sees Gabby Bernstein killing it, and I'm like, I'm never gonna be Gabby Bernstein, but I think we forget that no one's gonna be her besides her, so we have to be our own person and but I, it took me a very long time to figure out what that version of me looked like and who that even was, so it really goes back to like you said looking yourself in the mirror and for a really long
1: time <laughs> you guys are listening i'm nodding and making mommy faces <laughs> she is <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: yeah but yes thank you for your support in the the very
1: beginning and always being always. such a guiding heart. guiding light to look up to It's my honor. I'm I'm humbled in your, in your growth. And I, and I love having you as part of my community and I, I love being part of yours. Mm. It's making you a heart. Oh, making one back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I have two questions to end this podcast on. Okay. You got it. Number one, what's on your spiritual bucket list for this year?
1: I, so it's funny that you said Gabby Bernstein, because I would love, 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 love to go to Kropalo To her retreat? Yeah. Oh, Megan just sent me that today.
0: I'm like, oh, I just want to go. It's March, And it's in
1: Massachusetts. So like, I could totally like make it into a trip home to see my parents. So like, I'm kind of thinking like, hmm. So it's totally possible. Um, so that's definitely something that's on my bucket list. Um, and then, you know, in a perfect world, if I didn't have five children under eight, definitely Israel, um, because you know, the Holy land and all that. And, and I think that there are answers there that I need that I can't get anywhere else. And I might not get them this year, but I'll get them. I love that. And as you know, I love to
0: end this podcast with words of encouragement for anyone listening who needs that extra words of encouragement today so what are your wise words to end on
1: my wise words are if you have something in your head that is telling you that you're bad or you're wrong or you hear that inner bully I want you to do the same thing that you would tell your children or your little sister to do and separate the two of them (laughs) And let that person know how loved she is, how wanted she is, what a joy she is to be inside your body with you. And when you feel yourself being particularly um, ridiculed or beaten up by yourself, that is a sign that you need to go get some serious self care done, sister. So, you know, head over to the bathroom and paint your nails or hop in the shower or whatever it is you need to do to show yourself love. That is what you need to do in that moment. And for those of you out there that are wondering if you're empath, um, you really, what you need to do is just ask yourself, when you feel a certain energy in your body and you're scanning and you're trying to figure out what it's related to, ask yourself, is this mine? Is this mine? Does Does this feeling correspond to anything that's going on? If yes, then it's yours. If not then allow that energy to pass through you and by you and just move on.
0: Thank you for listening to Enlightened For more wisdom from spiritual mamas like you in the form of guided meditations, videos, articles, masterclasses, and more, check us out at enlightenedhood.com or connect with us on Instagram at Enlightenhood. If you need a tribe of like-minded women to dive into personal and spiritual development with, check out our monthly membership where we show up, go inward and upward together. Enroll today at Enlightenedhood.com backslash membership for less than the cost of a yoga class. Until next time, you mindful mamas.